and it's recording. All right. So, again, thank you all for coming. Uh, we're going to have a class in the Bhagavad Gita today. Are you familiar with Bhagavad Gita? And you? Yeah. Yeah. What is your name? My name is Adiana. I think I've met you, haven't I? Um, I have gone over to Dundas. Yeah. 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 yeah, okay. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. It's awful nice of you. <clears throat> now, this isn't anything formal, so please stop at any time you have a question, okay? I'm not lecturing. I'm not talking at you. Let's have a discussion. I'm going to throw out some points and some thoughts and uh, kick it back. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear what you have to say, okay? Uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about faith today. That's something that all religious practices seem to have on the docket. Talk about faith. You know, you got to have it, right? How can you go anywhere without, without it? So some people feel that they have a hard time though, having faith in God. You see? Now when I go out and, and uh, start my car, I have faith that it will start. Because most of the time it does. I don't think it's ever not. So I have pretty good reason to believe that it will. I have faith the recorder is recording. I don't know. I have no idea. I've been using this for the last few months. I don't know if there's anything on there, but it, it always has these different numbers. So I'm having faith, you see, that it's recording. If I put, if I follow a recipe, that uh, if I go to your house and I say, "Wow, what is this doll? This is great!" Oh, here's the recipe. You see, I have faith that if I follow that recipe, it's going to turn out like you made it. I'm going to delight when I eat it. You see, so uh, people have faith in so many things. We have faith in this, faith in that. I have faith that my new t uh, iPhone is going to do what I want it to do. I have faith that. Uh, the internet is going to give me all the delights that I expect from it, you see. And then we come to have uh, uh, an interaction with someone and we say, well, you should have faith in God. Well, I don't know. I'm not, I don't have a lot of faith. No, we are creatures of faith. We extend faith all the time. Now, that's the key word. We extend faith. Now, what's beyond faith? We're going to talk about beyond faith. And a lot of times... Uh, to novices and people who just haven't maybe thought it through, that's, it stops there. I have faith. But what does Krishna want us to have? Does Krishna ask us to have faith? Yeah. In the Bhagavad Gita, many times Krishna asks to have faith, right? But what does he ask for? More. More than faith. What does he ask for? Where is faith supposed to go? Faith should turn into knowing. If it doesn't, then you've done something wrong. You've cast your faith in the wrong place, or you didn't cast your faith properly. Faith is invested. Faith is not the end all. Faith and faith and faith and faith and faith and faith doesn't take us anywhere. You see, we want to know. We want to know. Faith should turn into knowing. If it doesn't, something is wrong. So, let's see what Krishna says about that. In the seventh chapter, <clears throat> I think it's the first verse of the seventh chapter. Yeah. I'll read the Sanskrit and then I'll read the, the translation. And again, stop with questions anytime. Comments, criticisms. If you have uh, rotten vegetables to throw away till the end. Sri Bhagavan Vacha Mayashtaka Manaha Parta Yogam Yunjam Madasrayaha As Asam Sayam Samagramam Yatag Ekyagyasi Touched Trinu. This Gyagyasi. Uh, this word gyagyasi means to know. Uh, actually, it means here, Krishna is saying, you can know. Gyagyasi, jnana. Jnana is knowledge in Sanskrit. Have you heard that sentence? Gana. You know, there are jnana. Yeah, there's jnana yogis. Uh, yogis who 
who practice uh, to accumulate knowledge. You see? So, jnana is knowledge. So here's what Krishna is saying. <clears throat> the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Now hear, O son of Krita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full. Free from doubt. Strong words. Strong words. Krishna says again, I'm going to repeat it. Now hear, O son of Prita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. Now, he doesn't say, you get to know me okay, or quite well, very well, extremely well. He says, you know me in full, 100%. Now, to some people, they think, well, that's, kind of, that's a, little, a little scary. It's good not to let it touch the floor. I'm sorry. I'm picky, aren't I? Yeah. Some people think, wait a minute, they want to put on the brakes here. I don't know if I want to know God in full. You know, sometimes God's the kind of people, uh, the person that some people want to keep at arm's length, you see. Because if I get real close, Hare Krishna. Thank you for coming. Make sure you close that door all the way. Uh, we're talking. We're, we're talking Bhagavad Gita. Yes. So uh, I'll read the verse again for you. The supreme personality of God had said, "Oh, here, O son of Prita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt." So uh, this word yoga is often misunderstood. Most people, or many people in the Western world, think that yoga means what? What does it mean? Is that what is that what you is that your definition of yoga? I know it's more than that. What does that Sanskrit word mean? Yoga. Union. Huh? Union. Union. Exactly. It means to unite. Unite. Now some people say, well, that means that it means to merge with God. Doesn't mean to merge with God. You cannot merge with God. You are always an individual. Some people say like that. Well, we, and ultimately we merge. So, uh, the consideration here is my guru Shula Prabhupada. That's his picture on the wall. One time, someone was arguing with him. No, you, in the end, we merge with God. You see, that's the ultimate result. We want to merge with God. And Prabhupada said, no, it's like a green bird flying into a green tree. You see, I've seen that in India. You see, like there's this green tree, I'm out for a walk, and a parrot flies into the tree, a green parrot, you see. And it looks like the bird disappears. It's like he's just gone, he merged, now he's, now he's tree. He was bird, but now he's tree, you see. So you could stand there thinking that perhaps the bird is merged with the tree until he moves. What is that smoke? Is something burning? What is that? They're, they're, they're looking after oh, what was that that's burning? Well, you left it on, though. Oh, I did? Somebody did. Oh. Is there something burning in the kitchen? Oh, anyway, we'll let them worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. So, so you can think the bird merged with the tree until he moves. As soon as the bird moves, you can say, oh, no, no, there he is. It just looked, you know, the color seemed to, like it, it uh, blended. So when the living entity who is bright, the living entity gives off a glow. When the living entity merges or goes to the impersonal Brahman, the Brahmajyoti, which is possible. 
It's possible. Have you heard of that type of liberation? Have you heard of that? Some people feel that the ultimate liberation is to go into the universal energy. They have all these new, new age names for it. The, this or that. It's called in Sanskrit, originally it was called the Brahma Jyoti. The dazzling effulgence. You That's see. The, the famous picture where the guy is like, he's like, He's in meditation, he's got a big beard, and he's like real, real skinny, and he's like, you see yeah. the, like the light going the light up into the... soul is leaving. Yeah. Yeah. You see? But light can be deceiving. You can, we can look at the light bulb up there, and it looks like a big glow. But if you look real close, it's a little wire. When you turn the light off, you can see it's, it's just a little wire that's glowing. You know? Well, we can't see it. So when, the, when you see the soul from a distance, it appears to glow. You look closer, it has form. Face, hands, you see. Just like when you see the Supreme Lord from a distance, you can't see him. It's just this tremendous glow. <clears throat> the demigods, Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma, once approached uh, the Lord. And the first thing they asked him to is, please, please allow us to see you. Please take away your dazzling effulgence so we can see your face. So the Brahma Jyoti is the light coming from Krishna. Now, that's partial liberation. You can go there. And because that's light, and you give off a light, it looks like you merged. But it's like the green bird flying into the green tree. You still are you. You still have your personality. You see. So, uh, this word yoga does not mean to merge. Yoga means to find to unite with. We want to find Krishna. We want to find God. You see? We want to get with Him. We want to be with Him. He wants us to know Him. We really want to know Him. That reminds me of George Harrison's song. We were talking about him last night, wasn't it? George Harrison's song. Which one was that? Where he says, I really want to know you. My sweet Lord. My sweet Lord, yeah. You see? I really want to know you. You see? I want to know you. I want to get close to you. What's burning? Did I leave something on? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, that's okay. What was it? What did I leave on? Oh. Oh, gosh. I hope I didn't burn anything. Huh? I hope I didn't burn anything. Uh, it burned at the bottom. At the bottom. We emptied it on different parts. Oh, good. So hopefully it's true. You're smart. See, I thought I turned it back off. It's tough to get old. <laughs> so, uh, oh, thank you, Hare Krishna. Thank you for coming. Are you, can you, you cannot stay for prasadam? Just with him, I think he might be feeling Yeah, yeah. Bless his heart. Thank you. So, any questions about that so far? Misconceptions in the West about yoga, liberation. You see, how when you say unite, what do you what do you mean? Huh? You, you talked about how it wasn't merging, but um, what, do, what do you necessarily mean by uniting? That's a good question. That's like if uh, if if you have someone who's very close to you, your most dear friend, your most dear one the person who's the most important to you. Uh, and right now, and for the last many years, they've been in a foreign country. And you haven't seen them. And there's no internet. And, you know, you can't communicate. And you're dying to see them again, you see. When you get back with them, you've united. Now you can say, oh, it's so nice to see you. And you... You can hug them, you can shake their hand, you can kiss them, you see. So unite means to get back with, to associate again with somebody, you see. So, and again, uh, uh, some, some people, when I say somebody, some people say, well, God's not a body, you know. Have you heard that, that philosophy, that God's just energy, you know. And it sounds that that uh, philosophy can sound very uh, convincing. God's just energy. Why, God's so great, 
He doesn't have to have a face and eyes. He's so great, he doesn't have to have any of that. He's God, you see. Some people think, if you think God's a person uh, and he has a face that you can look at, a hand that you can hold, well, that's kind of like kindergarten. You don't, you don't really know. That shows that you don't know a great deal about God. Higher realization is to realize that God's above that. Well, he doesn't have to have a face or hands. You heard like that? What if he wants to? Huh? Well, that's that's another. That's a good question. That's intelligence. So, are you saying God has a face? Well, let's think about it. Let's discuss that. Like a will, maybe I can. I can. Well, let's think. Let's just think. Let's use logic. Okay. Give up all our attachments. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there is a God. Is there? Okay. okay. Let's until say, you know. huh? Until you, until you know, you only can have his faith. All right, I'll get back to that. Remember that. But let's say that there is. Hypothetically, there is. All right. So this God, uh, I think that he is, or it. Let's say it is just energy, superior energy, bright light energy. It's this, the the. Uh, Universal energy, the cosmos, uh, you know, the energy. And we're energy. We came from him, right? All right, is this energy, this Godhead, this creature, entity that we call God, is this entity unlimited? Supreme? Yes. Some limits? I can't make a judgment. It, it, you can't make a judgment on that. You don't like. I mean, no, well, let's just you know hypothetically. Okay. Right. Hypothetically, you know, yes. Then if, he's, he's if, if if there is a God, doubtful he has any limits. Doubtful, correct. Okay, so assuming that mm -hmm. there's a God, it would be logical that he doesn't have any limits. So if I if I don't know and I can only assume about God, mm -hmm. I might as well assume. Let's just say. I'm assuming. I'm not saying positively, but I'm assuming there's a God. So let's take this assumptive entity and let's study. If there was a God, that God would be unlimited. Supreme. Unlimited means you can't place any limits. Unlimited means lacking nothing. Right? Lacking nothing. Has everything including personality and form. But would he lack not form? Would he have not form also? Exactly. He's unlimited. He is both manifest and unmanifest at the same time. There is a, uh, a quality God has called a chintya beta beta tattva, meaning simultaneously one and different. Because he's God, he can do this and he can do that at the same time. He doesn't have to switch from doing this to do that, you know. If he's talking to you, he doesn't say, hey, uh, let me get back to you. i got to go do something over here. You know? He can do the whole thing. He can run the, uh, the whole show at the same time without, any, without putting anybody on pause. So if this entity is unlimited, it doesn't make good sense to assume that that entity doesn't have any form. There's just no logic. Doesn't make any sense at all. Now why? Why would somebody say God is limited? God doesn't have a personality or a form. Anybody? Because they don't want to know. Huh? Because they don't want to know that personality. That's right. I don't want to know him. Maybe I'm thinking subconsciously. I'm afraid he's going to burn me to a crisp if I step out of line, you know. I'm afraid he's going to do something. He's going to hurl a thunderbolt. I mean, I don't know. She whiz. I'm talking a supreme entity here. Also, I don't... Sometimes people don't want to be accountable. Huh? Sometimes people don't want to be accountable. Exactly. Yeah, I think they're trying... Gee whiz. To, they're, that's, try, they're trying to understand something that's transcendental with their material mind. Exactly. And I'm afraid that if I did go face to face with this supreme entity, 
Now he's going to hold me accountable for all the idiotic things that I did and all the things. I mean, I made mistakes, but there were times when I did something and I knew it was wrong. Yes, Barry? I think along those, those same lines, because uh, I've had this conversation <coughs> with, uh, with some scientists, friends, medical friends, things like that. Um, you know, if you, if you start talking about God being energy, then it's like, well, can you really define energy? And I, I mean, I've asked that point blank before. You know, it's just, well, what, what is energy? Well, I'm telling what energy is the ability to do work. Well, no, I didn't ask you what energy could do. I asked you what energy is. You know, now a scientist can give you uh, those types of definitions, but when you get right to what, but tell me what energy is. You know, you kind of get down to the ontology of it. And things yeah, like yeah. That. You you get a you get a blank face. Yeah. Most of the time. So I think that kind of falls right into into what you're saying there. Yeah. You know, it's like what you know we assume. Energy doesn't have any form, but we're assuming about something that we can't even we can't even say what it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, even if you do get back to that argument about God as energy, that still doesn't say that God doesn't have form. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, it breaks all logic, all wisdom, to say, well, but God doesn't have a form. I have. That means you haven't thought it through. That's very simple. I'm no genius. But it, unless you say, well, God's really not as, as, as much God as you think he is. I mean, the guy's got his limits. You know, I mean, why he, can't, he can't have form. He, there's no way he can have form. Well, hold, hold it. No, that, that opens up a question. How come I can, but he can't? So I've got powers that he doesn't have. And that doesn't. No, let's cross that one off. I don't think I can go there. What's your question? Uh, I mean, but like, is water going to all of a sudden just become wine? You know, taking that sort of example. It doesn't just happen. It's got its cause and effect relationship. Yeah. You know, whether if you're going to get to the Godhead, you have to fulfill those certain requirements of the yoga. I don't, I don't really know anything. But, you know, that's... So that's, like, that's good. That's regardless good. Of the, that's like, right. How do we get to know this, this person, this God? Who is both manifest and unmanifest at the same time? He's everything, you see. How do we get to know him? He says here, by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me. Full consciousness means, we call it Krishna consciousness. In other words, we perform, as you said, we perform certain activities to remind us of him. Otherwise, tomorrow morning, I wake up and my mind is wandered. You see, and I hate it. Sometimes my mind wanders and it doesn't come back. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> anyway, that was a good try. I'm going to use that on different folks. <laughs> Usually, it gets a laugh. But anyway, you see what I mean? Now I'm thinking. I'm thinking about something entirely different. I'm not thinking about God. I'm thinking about. Uh, you know, gee whiz, uh, should I wear a raincoat today? Should I take a raincoat? It may rain, and I'm like this, and I'm like that, and I need that. You see? You see how am I? So, he wants us to know him in full. Is that kind of like, is that going to be like, well, I know you? Well, nice knowing you. Now i got a whole lot of other things to do. I want to think about you once in a while. You know? Send you a text. Give you a call. You know? Email. But, you know, gee whiz, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. When I need you, I'll call you. You see, it doesn't really work that way if you're going to know him. Again, let's use our logic. Let's say we do get to know God. We actually get to know him. What would that be like? He's the supreme. He's the supreme friend. He's the supreme lover. He's the supreme associate. He is the most beautiful. People wonder sometimes. Uh, I've had people argue with me. They say, well, you know, I, I just, uh, some of the things that you Hare Krishnas go for, I, 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 can, I can go along with. But I don't think God's name is Krishna. I'm saying, well, God has unlimited names. He's unlimited. You can't just put one name on him. 
He can't do it. He has unlimited names. Well, then why do you guys use this Krishna? Why don't you use one of the other names? Why don't you use Buddha, Allah, Jehovah? There's a really good reason for that. Now, here's the example. Let's say that you met the President of the United States. You know, you would probably say, glad to meet you, Mr. President. How are you? Now, if you knew him better, a lot better, you may say, good evening, Mr. Obama. Now, if you're one of his buddies from Chicago that he grew up with, you say, hey, Barack, how's it going? Good to see you. But Michelle doesn't call him Mr. President, his wife. She doesn't call him Mr. Obama. She probably has some special names. Honey, sweetheart, pookie, you know, <laughs> silly little names that mean something. So if Barack is someplace, Mr. President somewhere, and he hears somebody say, sweetie, Huh? Oh, I know who that is, you know. I'm busy, honey, I'm giving a conference right now on television, you see. So when we vibrate this word, this name, this sound vibration, Krishna, that's a warm and fuzzy name of Krishna's unlimited names. This is a kind of a mushy name. This is the kind of name a lover would say to a beloved. It means almost beautiful, most desirable, most lovely, most wonderful one. You see? It means something very special. So when you hear, when Krishna hears this, Krishna, he may be in the middle of a conversation, he thinks, oh, hey, who said that? Who's, whoa, now that's special. Someone over here is saying, Buddha, Allah, whatever, okay, I hear you there. Krishna, whoa, now that's special. That really gets my attention in a certain way. All of them get his attention. But now this is, this is someone who's calling, who's saying, they're calling me the most beautiful, most wonderful one. Most powerful, that's different. He knows he's the most powerful, you see. It doesn't flatter him to tell, tell, to tell him that he's the most uh, powerful. It flatters him to tell him he's the most beautiful. He knows that, but he loves to hear that. So that's why we chant this Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So that we're remembering, you see. We're remembering Krishna. When we chant it, this is called meditation. It's called mantra meditation. Now, meditation, we hear a lot about that nowadays. Meditation is being taught in so many different ways, you see. But what is meditation? What's the, uh, what's the purpose of meditation? Many people say, well, to relax. You know, it'll clear your mind and you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. But if you use meditation properly, you can unite with God. You have to use a mantra meditation. This word mantra, two words together in Sanskrit, means man means mind, tra means to free. Mantra is something, it's a sound vibration that frees the mind. Frees the mind from what? Material consciousness. How does it do that? It brings in spiritual consciousness. Well, get more exact. You vibrate the word Krishna. You vibrate those sounds, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. It will clear your mind of material consciousness. If you let it, now we may think about, you know, something we have to do later on. We may be chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, did I mail that letter I was going to? And, uh, anyway, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Where am I going to get it to store? I'm going to get it. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, if you let your mind wander around, it doesn't do its full job. But if you concentrate on the sound, it will free your mind. And when you're finished in the background, 
you'll have it going. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. It'll go all the time. As a matter of fact, when it's not going, you'll say, wait a minute, something's wrong. Oh, something may have distracted me. It's kind of like you go into a store. You ever had this happen? You're walking into a store, and then in your mind you're chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. And you're going up and down the aisles and you're getting what you need and they got this music playing. You know, when you come out, you've got some rock and roll song going in your head, you know. <laughs> Just replaced it. You know, you think, hey, wait a minute. I didn't want this. I gotta get this out, you know. So then we have to chant some more. So it's a way of uh, remembering Krishna, freeing the mind, mantra. You you use your senses, you vibrate a sound. Sound vibration is totally un, uh, uh, underrated. People don't understand the potency of sound vibration. You hear this sound vibration. You use the tongue, you use the ears. You engage the tongue, you engage the, the hearing, you see. Now, some people say, well, I'd like to just chant, and I mean, I like to just sit and meditate. Well, medit meditate on what? Well, I clear my mind of all thoughts. Meditation is only as valuable or as potent as that which you are meditating on. Logic. If you're meditating on nothing, what is the value of nothing? What do you get? What does nothing give you? All right, it's that's excellent, excellent question. Let's say you, you've got a, uh, let's say I've got a glass of water, and it's full. Now I take the water and I pour it out. Now it's empty, right? Isn't it? I just cleared it. No, it's not. Now it's full of air. Something replaced it. You can't stop that process. If I'm going to clear my mind of material consciousness, I have to replace it with something. I push in something that pushes it out. It's like if I want to drain this uh, glass of water without turning it upside down, I just pump air in it. Put a little tube in there and pump the air in it, and ultimately it'll go. The air will replace the water. You see, something will replace it. You see how that works? So, yeah, that's a good observation. But we, to clear our mind, clear of what? Material consciousness. Do we put it, go into a void state? How spiritual is nothing? That's a good point. That, that, that contradicts meditation. To meditate on nothing, contra that's, that's a, what do they call it? Very oxymoron? Oxymoron. Yeah. But, well, I guess the question is, like, do you, are there's different things you meditate on? Or is it just Krishna? You can meditate on anything you want to. Krishna doesn't insist that you meditate on him. He's too romantic for that. You see? It's just that if you want Him, if you want to know Him, then you meditate on Him. And I could say, well, I'm not ready to know you. I'm going to meditate on an apple, you know, or flowers, or beautiful colors, like a kaleidoscope in my mind. I'm going to have this thing going. What's that going to give me? What do, what do I get for it? I'm a greedy person. If I'm going to do it, what do I get for it? I'm thinking about it, you see. If I'm going to sit still and, uh, and vibrate, or, sound, or do nothing, or if I'm going to sit there, what do I get? You're holding, that's the wrong, that's the wrong idea, of course. I mean, if you're trying to get something, as long as you're trying to get something, is it going to be given to you? Probably not. I mean, Well, why are you doing it? Well, 
Um, I mean, I guess like a meditation from what from my own practices, and I've been to different organizations for a while. Was that you're you're just trying to look at yourself. You're not trying to fool yourself, saying you're this or you're that. You're just trying to say this is who I am, and then from there you say, well, the practice, I guess, is. Um, Well, yeah, so I'm trying to look at myself. Yes. I remember before I met uh, my guru thinking that same thing. I want to find the, the inner me. So, when I met a devotee of Krishna, he said, wouldn't you rather find Krishna? What is the value if I find me? What do I get? I mean, so, I mean, in other words, well, it, it's, it's human nature to say, all right, if I do that, then what? What do I, what do I have? Well, you have you. Okay, well, what's it, what is that? I already have me. Well, it'd be Atman you, not necessarily the you as, you know, waking up, you know, going in the morning, making a coffee, going to work. Yeah. It's waking up to the, um, I'm not really sure about like, the soul. Terminology, yeah, the soul. Okay. To All realize right. yourself is to realize, or the part of yourself, you know, not your fingertip, not mm -hmm. your toe. To realize the soul. The yeah. soul. And self-realization. Self-realization. Okay. Correct. So let's say I achieve that. Mm -hmm. Again, we're hypothetical. Okay. I achieve it. Now I fully realize myself. Fully. Mm -hmm. Well... Yeah. All right. Isn't there something more potent than me? It, well, it's not like it's not you, as in like you know, not that it's not that. Same it's my soul. You. It is your soul. Okay, so I found my soul. Okay. I think that I would get more bang for my buck now that I found my soul. To also find the super soul, the supreme soul, because I can't be the beginning and the end of the universe. I can't be the ultimate find. I can't be. I don't want to be. I don't want all this responsibility of answering prayers and making things run. I know that I'm not. None of us are. Now some people think they are. I talked to a gentleman a couple of weeks ago in Austin and he was saying, well no, we're all God. We're all God. We're all part and parcel, so that means we're all God. Well, we are part and parcel. We're a part of Him. But when we all uh, came to this material world, He didn't get smaller, you see. He's still the complete whole. He's God. He's unlimited. So, uh, but people think, I'm God, you're God, we're all God. Then what am I doing in this old man's body? Suffering, struggling with with a, I've got a poor heart. I've got this. I've got that. Why am I doing this to myself? I'm going to die. I don't want to die. Why do I get? Why, if I'm God, am I in this situation? Why am I not beautiful, wealthy, famous, adored by everybody? That's. That's asking completely like, that's like, I don't know, if you have this, why would you even bother with with fame, fortune, like... If, if you, I have what? If you have... I've got an old man's body, and I'm supposed to be God. I'm saying, how did I get in this situation? But what do you get to know? If you get to know God, it's not just saying you are God, you're not saying I am that. You're saying I am that, but you're not like, you're not synonymous, you're not saying you're synonymous with the one, necessarily. Uh -huh. You're just like, you know, the same thing, kind of like the potter to the clay, you know, like, you, you, you associate yourself with, with God, or with something that isn't as temporal, maybe, is my view way to say it. Um, so I am? At least that part of the self. You, so your body's still temporal. But that, that part would not be temporary. Well, the body is temporary. It's just, yeah. a, you know, it's going to 
it's going to rot. But we associate ourselves with the body. Yeah. But if we associate, if we identify ourselves as an eternal soul, an eternal living entity. In the experience, yes. No, eternal in, not just in any experience. In, we are the soul, that person mm -hmm. that you found, that self-realized part of you that you found is eternal. Mm -hmm. It was here before the body, it'll be here after the body. Eternal means eternal. Sometimes we argue, I, I argue with atheists, and they say, well, you, uh, uh, they argue that some people say, well, the soul came into existence at conception, and then is eternal. And they say, wait a minute, if I never existed, if you're telling me that there was a time when I did not exist, but now you want to tell me that there will never be a time when I'll cease to be. But there was a time that I didn't exist. So I say I'm right, that at the time of death, the lights go off. I don't exist anymore. There is no God. There is no me. Just you turn off the switch and I go. And if you're trying to tell me that there was a time when I was in that state, how can you tell me and want me to believe that there's going to be a time or that there never will be a time when I'll have that state again. But the word, if he, the, the, the true meaning of eternal means both directions. Always was, always will be. Eternal. Eternity. Eternity doesn't mean, we, we sometimes say, well, you know, I'm going to love you for eternity. So that means starting now, forever, I'm going to love you. But something that is eternal by nature is, is eternal in all directions. This way, that way, that way, this way, up, down. It's outside of time. There is no such thing to, as time to eternity. There is no time. There is no measurement of time in, in eternity. Krishna came to this world as Kala, time. Krishna says, time I am, destroyer of worlds. If he didn't come as time, the world would last forever. There would be no deterioration. See, so he came to give it a duration. It says that in the Bhagavad Gita. You see. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have a question? I just, uh, yes, sir. Um, when you were talking about the material body and then the eternal living entity, isn't what you're talking about like? The body's like putting on a coat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is that kind of what I'm getting? It's kind of like I've had lots of cars. When I wear them out, I get another one. You know? I and my car are different. Without me, my car is sitting out there. It's just limp. It can't do anything on its own. Right. As soon as I get out there and start it up, I can make it drive, stop, go, go fast, go slow. You see, I can make it do all kinds of things. As soon as I walk out of that car, it can't do anything on its own. And when I wear it out, I'm going to get another one. And before I got that one, I had another one that I wore out. You see? And I had a desire for that one, so therefore I got that one. According to your desires. Until we get a desire to uh, unite, to uh, reunite with Krishna, with God. So this practice of devotional service is to get us in the habit of thinking about God. Of thinking about true spiritual life. You see? Because there are so many distractions. There's television, there's internet, the phone's going off, you know. You know, you walk around with this little machine in your pocket and it keeps making all these noises. Oh, what's that? Oh, somebody just, oh, somebody just uh, did my hit my Twitter page or... Facebook, or I got a text, or now somebody's trying to call me. I've got all these distractions. You see, I've got to go to work. I have to go do this. I have to go do that. You see. So what we're trying to do by practicing this bhakti yoga? Bhakti yoga means loving devotional service to Krishna. What we're trying to do is to concentrate our minds on being used to thinking of God. And nothing else. We don't want to think of anything else. Now, 
God should at least be in the background when you're driving, when you're cooking, when you're doing so. At least He should be. You know, we should. We need to make Him a reflex, a knee-jerk reaction. You see. As soon as we get a spare moment to where the there's something not taking our attention, immediately our mind should fill with that supreme, lovable, most wonderful personality. Immediately. You see. Then at the time of death, we're going to think of him. You see. It's timing. If, if my desire is something other than him at the time of death, I'm going to be thinking of that. And it you know, doesn't sound like that's a good course of action. There's a funny story I remember. This, I'm telling you up front this is funny, so I'm getting ready to laugh. <laughs> oh, good, I got to laugh. Uh, maybe I won't tell the story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a funny story. It's a uh, story about, uh, they talk about a knee jerk reaction and how it'll pay off for you. Okay. This, there was a gentleman who was married for a long time, and uh, he had a drinking problem up until one point. And his wife, after they'd been married a few years, he said, look, she said, look, you're going to have to quit this. I, I'm not going to tolerate this. If you're going to be my husband, if you're going to live with me, you're going to have to quit. And I'm, I'm just not going to tolerate it anymore. And he thought it over. He said, you know, you're, I don't want to lose you. I want to be with you. Okay, it's over. It's done. And so for many years, he went. He didn't have a drink. Didn't even want one. And so he was at this convention you know, business convention, and uh, he was in sales. He was about to make a big sale, and the guy was that he was trying to make a sale to kept saying, hey, let's have a drink together. And the guy kept saying, oh, no, no, he's fine. Don't you want to? All right, all right, I'll have one. I'll have one. So he had a drink. He's thinking, I didn't promise my wife that I'd never, ever touch a drop. I just promised her. She didn't like me getting drunk. She, it's not that she doesn't like me to drink. She doesn't like me to get drunk. So I'm not going to get drunk. I'm just going to have a drink. Then I'm going to go home. Even if she smells it on me, I'll say, I just had one. Aren't you proud of me? So he ends up one after the other, and he's making this big sale. He made the big sale, and he's really happy. And the guy says, let's drink to that. And he drank to it. Anyway, long story short, he got really, really drunk. He is so intoxicated. Can't drive home. Gets a cab. Take him home. It's just like completely out of it, totally emaciated, intoxicated. And he's thinking, you know, on his way into his house, my wife is going to kill me. This, I mean, this could mean my divorce. I mean, this is horrible. My life as I know it is over. And the last thing he remembered before he passed out was thinking that very thought. My dear beloved wife is going to leave me. My life is over. So he woke up in the morning horrible headache, terrible taste in his mouth. He thought, oh my God, what happened to me? Then he remembered. Then he thought, oh no! My wife is going to kill me. I've got to listen to her. Oh my Lord, my life is over. And he looked at the nightstand, but beside him there were two aspirins and a note. And he picked up the note and he said, and he started to read his note from his wife. My dear beloved husband, I love you so much. I know you felt badly last night. He looked in the mirror and he saw he had two black eyes. He thought, how did I get to, did she hit me? And, you know, she said, you know, please take the aspirins I left for you. Uh, I've got your favorite breakfast ready for you downstairs. You know, whatever you feel like going to eat. Uh, I can't wait to see you when I get home. I'm shopping to buy your favorite, you know, stuff for your favorite dinner tonight. You know, with all my love, you're, you know, Linda. Okay, so you guys thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? I thought she would divorce me. So he went downstairs and, and it, there's his son. He said to his son, his teenage son, he said, hey, what happened last night? He said, oh gosh, dad, it was horrible. You came home, you fell and you hit this chair, you blackened both your eyes. And uh, your mother was so, I mean, you're, uh, you know, my mom was so upset, but she took you upstairs and I thought that, that you know, she was going to throw you out the window. But anyway, she started taking your clothes off to put you to bed. And you said, stop that. No way. I'm a married man and I love my wife. <laughs> so he had his mind geared that I love my wife. You see? 
He didn't know who that was taking his clothes off, but he knew that, hey, look, I'm a married man. And so his wife is real happy. <laughs> I, I'm not good at telling you. <laughs> so at, at, a, at a particular time, to have a reflex can really work in your, in your favor, like at the time of death, you see. So at the time of death, what if I decide, uh, oh, well, I'm going to, my default mode is I'm going to meditate on nothing. Or I'm going to meditate on me. You see? What if you meditate on you becoming nothing? I don't want to be nothing. Well, I'm saying I mean, that's what you're thinking. At least, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I'd be thinking. Because until, until I was certain I wouldn't become nothing, I would still think. I wouldn't be sure. That's for sure. You know but what that's mean? what Krishna is saying mm -hmm. here. Yeah. I want you to be sure. I want you to know. Oh, yeah. Faith is something that you use as a stepping stone to get knowing. Faith is something you discard. You may have faith in, when you get married, you have faith in your wife that she's going to be a nice lady or the girl of your dreams. You have faith in your husband. After some time, that faith is gone. Now you've got knowing. You know that she's oh, wonderful. You know he's wonderful. You see what I mean? You know it. I have faith my car is going to start. Put my key in it, turn it, zoom. Now I don't have faith anymore. I had faith. I have knowing. See how that works? So as we develop a loving relationship with God, we get to know him. Now therein is the rub. Some people say, I don't know if I believe that. You gotta taste the pudding to see what it tastes like. You gotta try it. If you perform loving devotional service, if you have a desire, and that's the key, you've gotta have the desire. You can't have somebody scare you into it. He's he's not cheap. He's not cheap. A relationship with him is uh, you gotta love him. He loves you. He wants you to love him. You see. You gotta seek him out. He's the he is the supreme. That makes him the supreme romantic. Seek him out. Ask for his help. Please help me. Please help me, my Lord. Get to know his scriptures. Discuss the scriptures with him. It's his word. So you and I can talk about scriptures. That's very nice. But sometimes I want to say, my dear Lord, you know, I remember you said that it, you will preserve everything I have and supply everything that I lack. And I'm depending on you to give me what I need to achieve you. I depend on you. I have nothing else. I have nothing else. You're, you're my only hope. I want you. Please help me. Give me the knowledge that I need to take the right steps. Smack me when I take the wrong step. I'm depending on you, my Lord. Please give me Krishna Prema. Please give me ultimate love of you. I know you love me. Help me to learn to love you in full and to know you in full. Please help me. Because I want you. Now most people that, uh, that, that would think about meeting up with the Supreme Personality, they think, well, I've got a list of things I would want from him, you know. <clears throat> and it's not atheistic to want from God. It's a step towards him. I get to God and I say, actually Bhagavad Gita says there are four kinds of pious men, Krishna says, who approach me. Those in want of money, those who are desperate, those who are curious, and those that are searching for me. And all of them ultimately will get, as long as you approach him, you get a little close, he becomes, you see his attraction, you'll get closer. So even if you approach him, oh, give me, give me, I, you know, my dear Lord, I want money. Oh, that's very good, now, you've, now you're here. All right, here's some money. Out of this association, you're going to want to get closer. 
Hey, who are you, my love? Who are you? What about you? I want to know you. You see? How can we not have that curiosity? Who are you? What are you? What do you want from me? How can I make you happy? What would I do to disappoint you? You see? As your love grows, you want to know, how can I please you? What can I do for you? I want to serve you. And I don't want to say, well, I'm a carpenter, so I'm going to be a carpenter for you. Or I'm an electrician, I'm going to go be an electrician for you. That's good. That's a step in the right direction. I want to play music for you, Lord. I've always been a musician. I want to play music for you. That's great. That's wonderful. First class, most romantic is to say, what do you want? I want to do for you. You see? And then even better than that is to anticipate, to get to know him and say, oh, I'll bet he would like this. Yeah? Um, I was thinking about when you were talking about just wanting for ourselves. It reminds me of children, whereas when we're younger, when we're asking our parents, you know, it's like, what can we get? It's us and us and us. Yeah. And sometimes the same thing with God. We, it's always, we're always praying or asking about this or this for me, heal this, do this, me, 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 me. It's like a child, but when you know him more and mature on, then it becomes less about you and what he can give you and more about what you can give him, what you exactly. can to serve him. That's a great analogy. In our youth, we're asking our mother for everything. Mom, can, can you give me money for a movie? And now I need money for popcorn. If we don't get it, sometimes we get upset. Yeah, we have a hissy. Well, you know, temper, temper, temper. But gimme, gimme, gimme. At some point in your relationship with your mother, later on, before she passes, hopefully, you're going to say, Mom, you've given me everything. What can I do for you? Yeah. See, that's the maturity of life. There's, there's nothing wrong with asking her for money for a movie. There's nothing wrong with asking God to give me my daily bread. There's nothing wrong with it. We've got to mature. We've got to realize, I've always had daily bread. I've always had air, water. I've always had ground to walk on. There's always been sky. You've always been giving. I don't have to ask you for any... Wait a minute. There is one thing I can ask you for. I can ask you to let me serve you. Let me know what I can do for you. When this, is a, this is beyond self-realization. When you realize this, you realize who you are. I am your eternal servant. I am your loving friend. Well, you realize something. Right. About you, because yeah. you contain it. So it's still a self-realization. Yeah. But self-realization is to realize that you're part and parcel of God. Mm -hmm. And then it's... But that's something that's not the end. It doesn't stop there. Your intelligence won't let it. It's just like for those who achieve the uh, uh, liberation into the impersonal Brahman. You're too intelligent to stop there unless you're convinced to be an atheist. If you're hell-bent to be an atheist, you'll go to the impersonal Brahman and you'll stay in your void. Perhaps for eternity. You're denying God. I'm denying. So therefore, you, there you are in your little vacuum world that you sought after. But let's say that you're not an atheist and you achieve liberation into the impersonal Brahman. What are you going to get? What's it going to be like? Shanti? Peace? Okay, so now you're peaceful. Now what? Is that, you're not going to want anything else? Just peaceful? Happiness. Okay, now I'm peaceful and I'm happy. Okay, now what? I want more. I want the ultimate. It's, our, it's my nature to wonder what's next. 
What else you got? Peace and quiet. Shanti. That's not going to do it for you. Peaceful. I can prove that. As soon as you get peaceful, what's the first thing you think? I'm starting to get bored. You go to a doctor's office. You got a doctor's appointment. You know, you show up on time. And you got like 45 minutes you have to wait. In a, in a waiting room, that's very comfortable. There's nobody else in there but you. You mean to tell me you're not going to be bored? You've got a chance to be peaceful. And then you are peaceful. It's very comfortable. The temperature is perfect. Very pretty. You know, nice furniture. So you're peaceful. Or you should be. You could be. But you get bored. So, 45 minutes I've been here waiting for this guy. <sighs> to be peaceful in and of itself is not the nature of the soul. Just that nothing else. That's a side effect. Peace, shanti, comes with knowing Krishna. When you know Krishna, you get everything. Happiness, peacefulness, you get it all. Everything comes from Him. He is everything. Why would I want to settle for anything less? You know, if I met Warren Buffett and he said, hey, you know, I like you. I want to buy you a car. Any car. I can afford any car. You think I'm going to head to the Honda dealer? It's Warren Buffett. I want, I want you to have, I want to do, I want to get a nice car for you. You know, I'm not going to go to the Kia dealer. Or even the Chevy dealer. Because I can have anything I want. It's a crude example. But if I can have anything I want, I want the best. I want the ultimate. That is God. Anything short of Him, second class. Let's see. Does that make any sense? Any more questions? I think we should probably wrap it up. I'm sorry, that's it. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, um, although you mentioned material consciousness, would you define material consciousness? Material consciousness is thinking about things that are material, matter. Okay. Oh. There's many different ways to describe that, but one of them, material consciousness, is thinking about uh, anything related with the body. This body, it's material, um, but it can become spiritualized. You know, I want to mention that before I go on. It's just like yes. this recorder is material. It's made of the of the gross elements: earth, water, fire, air, ether. Everything is okay. So it's like Prabhupada used to say. He said, "There is fire in wood. There is fire in everything." You can bring the fire out of wood. If you heat the temperature to 456 degrees Fahrenheit, the fire will come out of the wood. You see? It's a matter of temperature, but it's there. So is water. Maybe smaller amounts, depending on what it is, but earth, water, fire, air, and ether are in everything. You see? So when I'm thinking about something that has to do with the body, unless I'm using this body to serve Krishna. So we're talking about God telling these things in the Krishna service. Right. Yeah, exactly. If I'm, if I'm going to speak, let me speak about the Lord. Now, if I have to speak about something other than, other than Him, let me at least relate it to some topic that has to do with Him. Other than that, I'm going to feel very uncomfortable because I'm really getting off my subject. I don't want to talk about this or that. It has no meaning. True meaning is, is, is God. That's where the meaning is. That's where the happiness is. Now I'll kind of stray a little bit once in a while until I get a little uncomfortable and I think, well, why am I going this way? Why am I thinking about this? You ever find yourself doing that? You're, you're in a thought and all of a sudden you think, 
why am I thinking about this? You know, how did I get here? Does that happen? You know, and you feel like, I thought I was doing so good. I was going around, I was thinking about Krishna, I was even chanting Hare Krishna, I was thinking about how I'm going to serve him. And I was thinking about this, I was thinking about things I've done in the past, and maybe I could do this, and I could do that. And now here I am here I am thinking about this mundane thing, and how did I... Anyway, it's been a long time since I've had this kind of... So maybe it'll be a long, long time before, but I know it'll come back, I guess. So You see what I mean? You can feel... You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You have to... You know, as a teacher, you have to get on mundane things sometimes. And it, in your mind, you can... Relate it to the Lord. You can, but then all of a sudden you find yourself getting into the subject. And then you think, wait a minute, you know, I've let this take me away from, from the, the, the true sweetness. You know? We're just not convinced sometimes that God is the sweetest. There's something a little sweeter. Or as sweet. Almost as sweet. So I'll think about that. We have to become convinced that He is what He is. He is the uh, the reservoir of pleasure. Does that make any sense? Anybody else have any questions or anything they'd like to say? Could you uh, repeat everything that you said over last afternoon? <laughs> I recorded it. <laughs> all right, excellent. So, all right, if there's nothing else, uh, we'll take Prasadam. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada. I hope I didn't talk too long.